As we begin, I want to give a shout out and a word of thanks uh, to our brother, Mr. Dan Choi, the treasurer of this church, who's joining us this morning uh, to kind of bless us and see how things are going. We can't thank the entire church. Well, can we just thank him for this great place? Thank you so much, brother. What a privilege it is to be here. We love this place. We're so grateful for it. Thank you for joining us. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Romans, Romans chapter 12. In the year I was born, I don't want you to do the math, but I was born in 1965, and America in many ways was in a bit of a similar situation than we are now. It wasn't because of a pandemic, but because of the Vietnam, because of of the the civil uh, unrest uh, with the civil rights movement, uh, because of the Cold War, there was a lot going on at that time. Looking back, that tumultuous time, and it was 1965, it was actually on tax day, April 15th, 1965, that a singer by the name of Jackie DeShannon released a song that seemed to resonate with the entire world. Do you know this song? It was louder back then. One thing for sure, I'm not sure we can remember the sermon, but you'll probably somewhere today will start singing, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Is it not true? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And it's, I love this lyric, not just for some, but for everyone. And certainly what the world needs now is a love, sweet love for any, everyone. But the reality is this, is we need more than just a sweet love, Right? I mean, we need something that's more than just sugary. We need something, a love that's more than just a feel-good love. We, we, we need a powerful love. We, we need a love that can conquer. A love that can conquer hate. A love that can conquer prejudice. A love that can truly conquer evil. I mean, don't we long for a love that will usher in justice and peace? Don't we long for a love that will bring true social change? Well, we need love. But we need the love of God today more than ever. We need the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is gospel love. Uh, This love of God, it radically has the power of God that radically transforms dead sinners, those who by nature are children of wrath. This love of God transforms sinners into saints. That makes that what's dead alive. It's that gospel love. What the world needs now is God's love. Powerful gospel love. Not just for some, but for everyone. We need a love that will truly drive away hatred, the violence, the crime, and the hell right out of our community. And that love is found in God alone, in His love. The God who is love. This morning we're going to start a two-week little mini-series Entitled, you ready for this? Loving the hell out of our community. 
Loving the hell out of our community. How do we do that? It's the transforming love of Christ found in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's realizing what God has done for us through His Son, the love He's lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, the love that has transformed us, and the love that He wants to transform the world in Him through us. The transforming love of Jesus Christ. It's found in the Gospel of Christ Jesus alone. That and that alone is what the world needs now. And it's so much more than just a love that is a sweet love. It's a powerful love. It's a transforming love. It's an eternal love. It's God's love. This morning we're going to look to God's Word. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to see three things we're going to break out. We're going to see the the appeal that Paul makes for gospel transformation. It's a beautiful appeal. We're going to see the recipe of gospel transformation of what he says now, this is the, the things that will come out because of the gospel and the result of gospel transformation. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to God's holy and errant word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip to verses 9 through 21. Let's be mindful this is God's word. It'll never lead us astray, and it's original. It is without error and we can rest upon it. Hear, my beloved, the word of the Lord. Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Romans 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now verse 12. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. My brothers and sisters, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The grass withers, 
The flower is phased. But the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this incredible word that Paul gives to us, inspired by your Spirit. And Father God, we ask in light of your mercies to us in Christ Jesus, that God, you would send your Spirit to us so that we could understand. We could understand this appeal to be transformed by the Gospel. That God, you would help us understand what this recipe is for Gospel transformation so that your people can live in a manner worthy of your name, pleasing to you, and truly bring gospel transformation for your glory through your power to the world around us. Oh God, would you do that which only you could do? Would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word? Would you give us hearts that would embrace your truth? Would you give us to walk in a manner worthy of your name, would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? Oh God, may the things that are said that are true and, and contain the transforming power of the gospel, would you use those words to, to transform us, to make us more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus. But the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. Oh God, what the world needs now is love, sweet, powerful, redeeming, transformative love of the gospel. So come and let us drink deeply of gospel truth this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The first thing we're going to see this morning is this appeal that Paul has for gospel transformation. I appeal to you. And there's two things I want to show you how he appeals to us. He says, I appeal to you in light of God's mercy and accordance to God's Word. These are the two things he wants us to see. In light of God's mercy and the reality of what God has done for us in accordance to God's will. Let's look at this again. In light of God's mercy. Here's what God has done through Paul. And the book of Romans is an amazing book of the Bible. It's an amazing letter that Paul has written to the Romans. And in chapters 1 through 11... He beautifully unpacks the gospel. He tells them in chapter 1 that the gospel is the power, it's the dynamite, it's the dunamis of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. And then he's going to tell them about this powerful gospel. He's going to remind the Romans and to us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That there is truly, there's none in chapter 3. There's none who is righteous in God's sight. Not even one. It tells us our condition apart from God, that not even one of us will seek God on our own. And then it will reinforce the reality of us as sinners in Romans 6.23. It reminds us that the wages of sin, the payment that we deserve in holy God's sight, it's death. But the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. It paints some bad news for us so it can really celebrate the good news of, of what Jesus has done for us. That the peace of God that we now have in Christ Jesus in Romans 5. But then it will tell us in Romans 8.1, you've got to hear this, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation that a holy God 
is not going to condemn us because of His perfect Son. And it will go and remind us in chapter 8 that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I want you to rejoice in that beautiful reality. Nothing in this world, nothing broken inside of you, nothing, if you are in Christ Jesus, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful gospel that we need to hear every day. And I love how Paul starts this. He says this, In light of God's mercy, you respond. In light of the mercy of God to us in Christ Jesus, the appeal for us is this, respond out of God's grace. Respond not out of a fear, not out of duty, not out of performance. God calls us to respond out of His mercy. It doesn't say, in light of God's law, respond. But he would have reason enough to say that. In light of God's law, or in light of God's character, he is holy. Respond to him. We should. But Paul doesn't appeal to the law. Paul doesn't appeal to the character of God. He can do both. Paul appeals to the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. But in light of God's mercy, found in the gospel. You know what this is saying? That the motivation, the reason for us to live for our great God is in light of His mercy and His grace. Maybe if we look at this in a little different way, we realize this, that in Christ Jesus, because of His life, death, and resurrection, now listen to this, this is incredible, this is the gospel, but because of what Christ has done for us, we owe nothing to God's law. Wait a minute. Nothing? Nothing. Jesus came. He says, listen, I didn't come to abolish the law. Not even one little bit of it. What did he say? He says, I came to do what? To fulfill the law. To fulfill the requirements of law. So Jesus, God's Son, our substitute, the one who lived the life we failed to live, He completed the bar of holy God's requirements. So you and I, in Christ Jesus, listen to this, We owe nothing to God's law. Nothing. We owe nothing to God's justice. How can that be? He's a holy God. We're broken sinners. Because on the cross, His his only begotten Son, the spotless Lamb of God, was crucified. He became our sin. In that moment, holy God couldn't even look at Him. He turned away. And Jesus would cry out and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he do it? So God's justice would be intact. The soul that sinneth shall surely die, Scripture says. Every single sin deserves God's wrath. And every, listen, every single sin will experience God's wrath. And the question is, are you going to pay it? Or did Christ pay it for you? And the beauty of the Gospel is this, is that we owe nothing to God's justice Because Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, not only fulfilled the law of God, but He became the curse of the brokenness of sin, of breaking the law of God. So that God's bar of justice is met. We owe nothing to the law, nothing to His wrath, nothing to justice. But listen to this. We owe everything to God's mercy. We owe everything to God's mercy. 
And this should make us the most zealous and the most free and the most loving people ever. Because listen, we aren't trying to serve God to earn something. We, we aren't responding so that he, we hope he likes us. I mean, one of, the, one of the greatest movies in my lifetime was Remembering Private Ryan. And at the very end of the mo- movie, when, when Private Ryan's life was saved because an entire battalion went to rescue him, and Tom Hanks, who played that, that captain, is bleeding and dying, giving his life so that Ryan can have his life, and he looks up to the private and he says, Earn this sacrifice. And that is nothing like the gospel. Jesus doesn't look down from the cross and say, now earn this. In light of God's mercy and grace, and the gospel in which we freely receive in Christ Jesus, we respond. We respond freely and joyfully because Jesus is enough. God cares as much about why we do what we do than what we do. And you can say, wait a minute, that sounds, that sounds crazy. But remember the Pharisees, they did, they did things like they tithed their mint and their dill. They, they prayed. They were very religious people. But their motivation was so that people saw them. Their motivation was so they could earn some of God's salvation. And Jesus says, you're so far from me. May the love of Christ compel us. May the mercy of God compel us. May we live for Him in light of God's mercy. We owe nothing to His law, nothing to His wrath, nothing to His justice, but we owe everything to His mercy. Do you know, my brothers and sisters, this is what makes Christianity so uniquely different than the rest of the world? Do you know that this beloved gospel is unlike anything of world religions? And a world religion that says, You work hard. You do the right thing. Maybe you empty yourself of enough things. You do enough right. And God is going to have show his favor on you that you will reach this this zenith and maybe you'll find peace. That's not Christianity. Only in Christianity, only in the gospel. It's so unique that all that God requires of us, God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. Because of God's love and mercy, he sent Jesus. Because of Jesus' love and mercy, He endured the cross. And because of the Spirit's love and mercy, he, we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. So He says, here's the appeal in light of God's mercy. And then it's going to be this, in accordance with God's will. Oftentimes you try to wonder, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for the world? We're going to look at two things briefly, but it's so important. What is God's will for the world? And what is God's will for His people? Well, God's will for the world, you ready for this? It's through through Genesis to Revelation. God's will for the world is to reconcile and unite the world to himself in Christ Jesus. This is what this whole story is about. The story is about, in the beginning, that God created everything out of nothing. First two chapters. And then the story will tell that, that man made in God's image would rebel from the God who created him and bring sin and a curse into the world. And everything was broken because of that broken relationship. But even in Genesis 3.15, there's a promise of a Redeemer that God, the rest of the Bible, from Genesis 3 to Revelation, is going to tell the story of how God Himself 
reconciles the world to himself and that promised seed, that promised prophet, that promised king that would come that was named Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, he would make all things new. This is the meta-narrative, the big story of the gospel, is that God, what is his will? It's to unite everything in heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you how the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, incredible, will tell us of the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. And verses 9 and 10 in chapter 1 says this, that making known to us the mystery of God's will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Now, to unite all things in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. What is God's plan? It's to unite all things in heaven and earth, to reconcile all things in heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. And the great news of that gospel plan, it's not just for God, it's for God's people. The gospel makes us a part of that plan. Listen to the incredible words of Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 21. Let this Spirit speak to you through these words. These are incredible. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is anyone who has embraced Christ as Savior, if anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Now watch this. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself, through Jesus, holy God and sinful man, reconciled, And He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then, Verse 21, which is a summation of the gospel itself, says this. For our sake, He made Him, God the Father made Him, God the Son, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What is God's will for His people, it says. If God's will for the earth is to unite all things in heaven and earth, God's will for us as people are to be ambassadors of reconciliation. God's will is for us to be holy as He is holy. To present our bodies now. It says, now present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Christianity is dying to yourself and living to our God. We are alive in Christ Jesus. Scripture will remind us that our life comes from Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.5 Even when you were dead in your trespasses, but you've been made alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. And now we come to our great God. And listen, here's the great news. What's the sacrifice we bring? Our lives. Make our life a living sacrifice. We don't have to bring an animal that has to be sacrificed. Jesus was enough. But our lives is a living sacrifice to Him. Now go on and say, listen, because you're mine, because you're agents of reconciliation, you can't be conformed to the world. I've saved you to be completely different. You can't be a change agent if you're just like the world. You can't bring transformation if we're conforming will never transform. But then he'll say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do, we, how do we have our minds transformed? We have to have the mind of Christ, Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 2.16. 
And how in the world can we have the mind of Christ? We have to have the Word of God dwell richly in our hearts and our minds. Paul will say in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. We've got to be people of the Word, in the Word, living the Word, so that we have the mind of Christ for transformation. And then he's going to say, okay, here's this appeal. And I know I spent a lot of time on that, but it's so important. The appeal for gospel transformation. And then he says, here's the recipe. And the recipe, the things that we should be doing, is going to be broken into two parts. The first part is for the church, verses 9 through 13. And then he's going to talk about how we should act in the world, verses 14 through 21. But let's start off by how we should be as the church in verses 9 through 13. I'm going to go through these quickly, but we're going to look at each one. Let love be genuine, because God is love. Right now I find a time where love is politically correct. You've got to love in a way that says the right thing in the right way to the right people, and love is now seen as being politically correct, but God's Word says let love be genuine, because God has loved you in Christ Jesus. Let you respond to a genuine love of our love for God and love uh, for our neighbor. Abhor what is evil. I just read this morning Psalm 97.10. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. Are you a lover of God? The flip side of that is you should hate evil. Why? Why? Because God Himself is holy and without sin. We love God and because we love God, we hate that which is apart from God. And because here's the reality also, why do we hate evil? Because sin always damages us in our world. Hatred, strife, lust, sin always damages God's image. It always brings harm to God's creation. We should hate sin for the effects of sin inside us and all around the world. Hold fast to what is good. I love it. The translation could be cling to it like Velcro. Cling to what is good. And we realize through Scripture there's only one who's truly good. And that's Jesus. Cling to Him. Love one another with brotherly affection because we are one in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ has knocked down the wall that divides us. We are one in Him. Now love one another with brotherly affection in Christ Jesus. I love this next one. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's maybe what Paul will say in Philippians 2, uh, verses 3-5. through it's incredible. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Listen, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of us should have the attitude of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider the equality God something to be held on to and grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, becoming man, and obedient to even the point of death. Outdo one another in showing one another honor. And the only way you do that is when you realize what Christ has done for you. When you only do that when you realize that we follow in Christ's example, that we don't have to seek our own honor, that we try to outdo one another, that do not be slothful in zeal. And I tell you, I lean towards slothfulness in my whole life. But it's basically saying don't be slothful in zeal for the gospel. Some of us have a lot of zeal for physical fitness or a lot of zeal for 
for, for the pursuit of our businesses or the pursuit of our relationships. And this is saying our ultimate zeal, our ultimate pursuit should be Christ-likeness, should be coming like Jesus. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit are we able to move this way. Being full of God's Spirit, showing the fruit of the Spirit. Serve the Lord. The Greek word here is diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon. Be servants of the Lord. It's all of our, our callings. Do not serve yourself. It will not give you the joy and happiness anyway. Rejoice in hope, even in the midst of trouble. Even right now, when you hear what's happening in the world, when your heart crumbles and breaks, when you're demanding God's justice, when you're wondering what in the world is going on, I'm telling you what God says, rejoice in hope. How in the heck can we do that? Is he asking us to live with our head in the sand? No. He's asking us to remember the story. He's asking us to remember that this ends tremendously well for God's people. That God is still in control. We have a living hope. That hope reigns in Christ Jesus. We know the ending. So be hopeful. Be patient in tribulation. How do we do be patient in tribulation? Why? Because we know our God is sovereign. He really is in control. And that tribulation is temporary. And God will see us through. In the midst of all this, I love it. Be constant in prayer. Yes, it's true that God is sovereign. And he's got us. But listen, you do your part. I do my part. Continually cry out in prayer. I love this. God's sovereignty and our prayers go hand in hand. As Scripture will tell us, pray without ceasing. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Give to the needs of your brothers and sisters. Give and give generously. Seek to show hospitality. Open up your house. Open up your life. And then he's going to tell us, this is, this is what we're to do in the world. Verses 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Turn the other cheek, Scripture's going to tell us. Bless, why? How can we do this? Because you've been blessed in Christ Jesus. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is so important. You can only weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who are rejoicing when you're close to them, when you're a part of their life. It's basically saying show empathy and sympathy. Enter in. God has created us for a community, a community that the world should know and love in Christ Jesus. I love what it doesn't say. It doesn't say explain to somebody they shouldn't really be weeping. You know, tell them to stop crying. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say go in there with a Bible and hammer them over the head and just remind them that God is in control. Don't just point to the ending and say, well, what are you doing crying now? It says enter in. Have a soft and broken heart when your brothers and sisters and, and even the image bearers of the world are, are weeping. Church, we often see the world crumbling. We often want to judge it. We often want to say, what's wrong with it? We often want to say, well, maybe they deserve this or deserve that. Or, or we somehow stand in judgment. When we see the brokenness of the world, we should weep because of our holy God and because of his image bearers that are broken. We should weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Enter in. Live in harmony with one another. It's basically saying this, and I love what Jeremiah tells the exiles of God's people in Babylon. Seek the shalom of the city in which I've placed you. Seek God's peace where you are. God has you and me here in Central Florida at a time like this. We are to seek the welfare of the city in which God has placed us. We're to seek His peace and shalom. 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. God hates a prideful heart. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Why? Because Jesus did. Never be wise in your own sight. Seek the wisdom of God. Seek the wisdom of godly people. Walk with those who are wise. Repay no one evil for evil. Listen, that's not what we're called to do. But I love this. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. It's not a response. It's a tit-for-tat thing. Not an eye for an eye. Give thought what is honorable. What honors Jesus in this situation? What honors Him? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love the wisdom of God here. It says this, if possible, as much as it depends on you and me, it's not always dependent on us, as much as you can, live at peace with other people. Sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes they're not going to allow it to happen. And, and, and God says, I understand that. But you and I have a calling. As much as it's possible, as much as it's up to us, live at peace with our brothers and sisters and even the world around us. The God of peace gives us the peace of God and bring his peace into all of life. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For as written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What we know of a just God is he's going to right all wrongs. He's going to win. Let him do his thing. It says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. Love your enemy. That's what God says. Man, do we need that now? Republicans love the Democrats. Democrats, we love the Republicans. Trump lovers love Trump haters. Trump haters love Trump lovers. No one can do that apart from Christ. Love. Love the hell out of our community. It didn't call us to judge it. It didn't call us to be haughty and over it. It caused us to be transforming because he's transformed us. What the world needs now is Jesus' gospel love. Do not overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good in the gospel. Don't fight fire with fire. Overcome evil with good. This is not with a sound, it doesn't say overcome the world with a sound argument or a political agenda. Not with the world's wisdom. Overcome this with God's goodness. And what is God's doing? goodness? It's doing the right re- thing for the right reason. For the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. And that's the result. The result of gospel transformation is God's glory. It's the good of our neighbor. It's, it's truly living in submission to Christ our King and serving on mission for Christ our King. What does the world need now? It needs love, sweet love, in Christ Jesus. It needs the gospel. Have you drunk deeply of the gospel truth as it transformed you? And if it has, now God wants, watch this, now God wants to transform the world through you and me. That's his plan for this world. That's his plan for reconciliation. What the world needs now is to respond to the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. Be transformed and be transformers. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this incredibly important, powerful message.
that Paul, through your Holy Spirit, gives to us. It's, it's, it's humbling to believe that you could choose to use us as your ambassadors of transformation. It's, it's unbelievable that you could use us, the, the, the church, to be a city on a hill in the light of the world. But God, that's your plan. And God, we thank you for the gospel that transforms us from sinners to saints, from being children that are apart, or for, by nature, children of wrath to ch- beloved children in Christ Jesus. But God, I pray for anyone who's listening, either here or online, that doesn't know the joy of the gospel, that doesn't know the mercies of God. May today be the day where they embrace Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior and have the joy of knowing that their sins are forgiven and they are accepted in the, in, in the Beloved. But, but God, for those of us who are yours and know that reality, may your Spirit empower us to bring transformation in your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.